Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. It is the first episode of 2023. I'm here, as always, with my buddy Vic Mattis. And the first big news of the year is that there's no news. There's no news, Vic. I... Mary um, Catherine, uh, I didn't expect to see you so soon. I was going to well, say, how how was that delivery? You're back already from maternity leave. No, I'm I'm still I'm still uh, gestating oh. over here. <laughs> and we took off we took off last week thinking this is yep. great. I'll have the baby, I have a little downtime, and, and then back. then I'll come back. And then I was like, nope, that didn't happen. <laughs> you're back already, but you know what? I mean, we're taping on a Tuesday. You could have the baby today. Take a day off, and then we'll tape again on there Thursday. There we go. We'll just reconvene if, on Thursday. If it's, can you tell us at least what's your feeling? Do you think that it's going to happen this week? Oh, at this point, I don't your really gut know. Feeling, but I, if it I were, think it, I think it, it kind of has to happen this week because I'm on a clock. They won't, they won't oh. let you go. They won't let you go forever. So that's you right. Have so to... you, you do have an inducement date. So I'm, I have an appointment to talk about what happens uh, next today. Yes. Um, but I have never made it past 39 weeks, and now I am two days over my due date. So that's new for me. How um, do you feel? I actually feel fine, and I yeah. find that kind of problematic because I should be feeling like, okay, this is getting to the end of its rope. But there, there have been... Baby, there have This baby's just hanging in there. There have been babies that you've heard... Whatever you do, do not type into Google longest a woman has been no, pregnant no. because you'll be surprised. No. Some of these things have gone on for a long time. We're not, we're not doing that. We will not be engaging it's, in that. But, yeah. you know, I had a nice sort of peaceful, if mildly physically uncomfortable Christmas. Are the kids sort of in disbelief? Yes. I think, I think they certainly thought that they would go back to school and be able to announce Guess what, everybody? Nope. <laughs> no announcement. I think, you know, I think our, I can't remember with both kids, but I know my daughter definitely was late in, in delivery. I mean, she, there were a couple of times where I left the office saying, okay, this is it. And then I'd come back the next day. So yeah. that went on, but you know, three or four days. And you're only, you're only, only a couple days. only days, past. two days ever. So, yeah, and it's nothing. also the thing, the thing about the babies is that they can come like, like healthily. Between 36, 37, and 42 weeks. That is a wide window. There's a very like wide I window. Said, like I said, 42. That's I don't think I'm it. allowed to go that far. But yeah. that's that's the window, right? Yeah. And then you're yeah. like, well, my window was about two weeks until now. <laughs> but my window just got a lot longer on this one. So anyway, we wait semi-patiently. Well, we're all waiting with bated breath here. Yeah. I think this is, it's, it's an exciting time for all of us, but you know, hanging, I'm, I'm telling you, I know what this, this, this kid's thinking, this kid's thinking that the kid did not want a birthday to coincide with Christmas or New Year's. And we know people like this and you hear like, oh, you know, they only give, they only get like one gift for both for some people get that. Or, you know, when do you throw the party? It's never on the day of. So you know, that's what the baby's thinking, by the way. I the guess. The baby I'm wants sure that, its own special day. I'm not sure early January is a great date, but we're not pushing it any further. That's for no, sure. No, 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 no. Absolutely. Um, it, it, it's fine. So so you had a, you had a, we'll, we'll talk about, we could talk about New Year's later yes. on the show. We'll, but, we'll wrap uh, it up with some New Year's resolutions. Up, How's that sound? It sounds great, but I'm glad you are hanging 
in there. You know what I think? What? Spicy food. Has anyone told you about this? Yeah. But also I have terrible heartburn right now, so it's hard to, uh, it's hard, it's literally hard to stomach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so, sorry. Uh, that was my recommendation was like Thai. Yeah. You know, no, going I'm, to the menu and getting the, getting the food that has the symbols of the three peppers. Right, right. I mean, yeah. I'll give it a try. Everything's going to get a try this week. So yeah, yeah. at any rate, we, we march along a lot of, a lot of walking, maybe some stairs. I'm going to do more. Walking work. is good. That's mm-hmm. what they say. Walking. Yes. Okay. So at any rate, All right. here we are. Here we are. I, I'm sure my oldest who was like mad that we couldn't go out of town for Christmas is now like, what a scam. We could have gone out of town for Christmas. Right. The whole thing was a ripoff. <laughs> they had a lovely Christmas. How was y'all's Christmas? Good. We had, we had a lovely time. Kate's family came down on the Friday before Christmas and then on Saturday drove up at 10 degrees outside, drove up to New Jersey, saw my dad, my sister's family. Her family, you know, her husband and his in-laws who were visiting, they're from Holland. And so on Christmas, they do a thing called gourmetten. And you'd love it. Gourmetten, raclettin, and it's like a giant electrical stove with mini skillets. And there's, I don't know, maybe eight different skillets and everybody can just have their own and do whatever they want. But they're so small that the entire affair will take hours because, you know, you're just cooking little things. It's little bites, but it's convivial because while you're cooking, you're talking, you're drinking. And then early on, it's very funny because it's like, you know, when is this thing going to get cooking? You know what I mean? Like you got to, you know, it's all plugged in and it's like, it's taking forever just, you know, to melt the butter and to cook the meats. You got to cook the meats. And then suddenly time goes and everything is sizzling at the same time. And you feel like a short order cook and putting it together. (laughs) So that was, that was that. And then while we were up there, saw two very good friends of ours, Sue and Rich Covey of the Jersey Shore Dream Team Realtors. Nice. And they are avid listeners of Getting Hammered. <gasps> what an honor. So just for being an avid listener, everyone, you got to, for, for your Jersey Shore real estate needs, <laughs> go to JerseyShoreDreamTeamRealtors.com. There you That's go. where I'm going to go when I finally have the $4 million to purchase a little home in Cape May. You're on your way, Vic. You're on your way. I'm almost there. But that that was it. And so everybody is fine and everybody's happy. Did you get anything particularly that stands out in your mind? Oh, yes. I did get something really good. Please share. My husband, as discussed on the show in various times, is a very good gift giver. He works pretty hard at it. Uh He's very thoughtful. You know, can be uh, stereotypically... Very heteronormative, stubborn, straight man in many other ways, but very good. Yes. That's the gift giving. So he he made my dreams from 1991 come true with a pair of red and black and white original Jordans. Original style Whoa. Jordans. Where and which, how did he find that? Which I when can't I was imagine a child, what that cost. Yeah. When I was a child, I was like, I can't. You know, this is this is a dream that will never that will never happen. He got he got these on eBay. They're certified. He entered a lottery wow. for a pair and did not oh get the gosh. lottery because they that's how they do them. They don't they don't sell that many pairs. And of course, for Jordan fans, it, those are Chicago Jordans. But for me, they're University of Georgia Jordans. So see, it all works out. Th- th- it it all works out. <laughs> uh, con- congratulations! That was I'm a glad big they, one. I'm glad they fit. Yeah, well, it's nice to have your, it's that you know, you know that 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 old you know 
dream from my tween yes. years that I thought was dead is is alive. It's very so, uh, although now I'm afraid to wear them because they're <laughs> yeah, because well yeah I haven't vintage. taken them outside. It's like it's like yeah, you don't want to step on there. anything. Yeah. Yes, not not when it's wet. But I'm sure you're looking forward to when you can wear those shoes along with your guest jeans. Yes, and a Benetton sweater. That's a, a, <laughs> that is actually in. See, you don't know that, Vic, but that actually would work. <laughs> that would work. I'm sure you can find those somewhere, probably in your closet at home. So yeah, you anyway. got that present, and then Good. and then as a as a testament to how just how old we are at this point, yeah. I believe the present that I bought, maybe anyone, including my children, that got the greatest reaction was a drawer organizer for the drawer that has the tin nice. foil saran wrap and sandwich bags in it instead of just shoved in there like randomly yeah. and then you got a rifle through every time so i bought a bamboo drawer organizer for oh, it it's all impressive. labeled it's very, very pretty nice. very nice and the husband was pretty excited about it i'm not gonna lie <laughs> wonderful wonderful <laughs> See, by, by the way that like really makes my reciprocal gift giving yes. look not so great but trust me he was happy okay yeah i'll, I'll see you get a pass you get a pass. I did, Although, I did yeah, a lot it's of, the little things that these little things. Sometimes those little gifts are amazing. Well, I did a lot of Christmas prep, and mm-hmm. I had I had a to the you point did a of lot having, of wrapping to to the point of having quite a meltdown on Christmas Eve at one point. But we got it we got it under control shortly. Oh after well, that. you you you're not the only one. I'll just leave it at that. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> well, I think it's custom. Like it has I don't to happen. Know. Yeah, it was really kind of tense, but that's okay. Everybody's happy. Everybody's happy now. Everybody's happy. I I I'll tell you a great gift that I gave. Nice. A great gift that I gave, without even realizing it, was to my brother-in-law, Captain Bill Dwyer. Nice. Who loves brown spirits as much as I do. And I, this was not a matter of price, but a matter of just opportunity, which was I walked into the Virginia ABC at the very moment a shipment arrived of Buffalo Trace, which this nice. year is, it's this year's Pappy, very hard to get a hold of. And they were rationing it out, one bottle per customer. So I saw this happening. I, was, I came in there looking for other spirits and I saw guys coming in like, just bottle, bottle, bottle. And I'm like, I better get online just to get whatever this is. And I realized it was Buffalo Trace. And I came, I've, I've been back to that ABC a couple of times asking, they just laugh at me like, no, it's gone, you know? And it was one per customer. So you'd have to get like family members to go and get right. it for you. Anyway, I got that for him and he was kind enough to crack that open. And it is like no joke, quite something else. <laughs> okay. It's, and now I yeah. And again, it wasn't people. like, it's, it's not like, cause now people buy these things and then they jack up the price to 400. So it wasn't like that at all. It was extremely affordable, but it is just the limited quantities for yeah. that price was something else. And it was, I, I will say, for all the hype about this stuff. And I've had Buffalo Chase before. This was this one was quite remarkable. So I'm just gonna show that. Nice. That's a very yeah. that's a very Vic charmed life moment. Like <laughs> just walked in. Walked into the ABC <laughs> store and they were like, here's this very rare yes. drink that you that you specifically want, which you then give to your brother in law who's nice yeah. enough to open it. For you. It is. Yeah. It's a Christmas for everybody. Every, it was a win-win. It was a win-win. Until the next well, morning, but it was a win-win. Yeah. Yeah. Now, up, up next, we got to argue about whether we're taking our Christmas decorations down because I I had the, in my head that I was coming home with a newborn to my my beautiful Christmas tree. And now that's not yeah. a thing. But I, th- I think I get till the 12 days of Christmas. No, it's absolutely right. And, you know, certainly among Catholics, we consider yeah. Christmas to begin. 
Right. I just you know on Christmas Day for like two weeks. Yeah, I'm like, no, no, no. Funny. I have twelve days. You got you got the Epiphany coming up. Three Kings <laughs> coming up on Sunday. I'm sure by then. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people are sure about a lot of things. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of which. Let's talk about 60 Minutes. Oh, man. And the great Paul Ehrlich. I don't even know where to begin when you sent this link to me. I couldn't believe this was happening. So I, it is. This is why I want to talk about it, because it actually is unbelievable that this guy is still getting press. It's the bigger question I have was about how did this happen? But please explain to everybody okay. what are we talking about here? I get a carry. So we're going to hear a little bit of a 60 minute segment featuring biologist Paul Ehrlich, who works at Stanford and has long been publishing doomsaying in every decade since the late 1960s. He has declared that the world is ending imminently and that we have no resources and we're the worst and why don't we change everything? And by the way, stop reproducing. And yet, and yet, um, here we are. So here's Paul Ehrlich again on 60 Minutes being given the microphone to to spout yet again what he thinks is going to happen to us. Let me play a little bit. Finding solutions to the problems was the goal two weeks ago at the UN Biodiversity Conference, where nations agreed to conservation targets. But at the same meeting in 2010, those nations agreed to limit the destruction of the Earth by 2020, and not one of those goals was met. This despite thousands of studies, including the continuing research of Stanford biologist Paul Ehrlich. You know that there is no political will to do any of the things that you're recommending. I know there's no political will to do any of the things that I'm concerned with, which is exactly why I and the vast majority of my colleagues think we're, we've had it. That the next few decades will be the end of the kind of civilization we're used to. He goes on to say that we are, we are creating the sixth mass extinction, that that's happening right now, that we would need five Earths to make up for it. And, you know, it's not like he hasn't said this before. His 1968 book, The Population Bomb, and then I believe he had a follow-up that was Eco-Catastrophe, all of the predictions therein have been incorrect. And yet, like, for instance, population will inevitably and completely outstrip whatever small increases in food supplies we make, Ehrlich confidently declared in the April 1970 Mademoiselle. The death rate will increase until at least 100 to 200 million people per year will be starving to death during the next 10 years. Here's another one. Most of the people who are going to die in the great cataclysm in the history of man, greatest cataclysm in the history of man, have already been born, he wrote in 1969. By 1975, some experts feel that food shortages will have escalated the present level of world hunger and starvation into famines of unbelievable proportions. Other experts, more optimistic, think the ultimate food population collision will not occur until the decade of the 1980s. And he openly advocated back then for sterilization, sometimes forced sterilization to prevent this. And yet here we are with, what did we just cross? Eight billion? Yes, something like that. It ain't perfect, but it's not we're what making, Paul Ehrlich said. Yeah, we're somehow able to make it work. And the worst part is, you know, once these years that, you know, he predicts this is going to happen on X date or around this time in this decade, 
it's not like anybody comes to that particular time in the 70s or the 80s say, hey, it's time to check in with Paul Ehrlich and say what happened to your prediction. The people <laughs> just, you could say whatever you want. You only need to be right, you know, once. And thank God he isn't right yet. But it, it, I want to throw this other a line from the population bomb out there as well. And it's this line, which is, quote, we must have population control at home hopefully through a system of incentives and penalties, mm -hmm. but by compulsion if voluntary methods fail. And this is what he prescribed. And, totally and he normal a, dude. Totally normal yeah. scientist man. <laughs> and, and, and then he gets this platform. And I can see at the time in the 70s, okay, it hasn't been proven, but we'll find out, you know, as the 70s move along and, you know, we're trying all these things to be more environmentally conscious, but, you know, let's have him on to talk about it because we have yet to see. But now in 2023, we know. I mean, we actually have data on a lot of things. And this obviously has not come to pass. I do want to mention an excellent article from 2018 by Charles Mann and Smithsonian that takes Paul Ehrlich to task on how not only how wrong the book was, Population Bomb, but the amount of damage that it caused, yeah, you know, through overzealous regimes, you know, a hundred million forced abortions in China and things of right. that nature. I mean, you're you're certainly giving people quite a quite a handy dandy moral moral reason to do terrible yeah. things. And the thing that gets me is he's still an expert, right? Yeah, has, he's still has, at Stanford. He's, ever, and... he's never been right, and has caused lots of damage, but he's still considered an expert now. Scott Pelley of 60 Minutes does concede he was wrong about the population bomb, but then they just go on to use him yeah. as an expert in this. Now, yeah, he was just off. He's just He wasn't wrong, really. He's just right. off by a few years. He decades. was just off to the point that he's a quite obviously an elderly man now. And when he began yeah. predicting this, he was in his mid-30s, I think. Yeah. So Michael Schellenberger... He's great. He is. He has written about this and said, look, I've, I've debunked this in peer-reviewed papers to cause a mass extinction, humans would need to be wiping out 75 to 90% of all species on Earth. It turns out that 73% uh, of species on Earth are categorized as not threatened. So it's the opposite. Further, yeah. that we have gotten more efficient at farming and creating meat so that we are protecting more land than we did yep. 20, 30 years ago. These all run counter to the alarmist claims of the Paul Ehrlichs of the world. Mm -hmm. And the fact is that, like, they like what Paul Ehrlich wants to do, the people who create the reporting on this. They like yeah. the sensationalism yeah. of this guy saying everything is ending. And his recommendation is to put more power into the hands of governments and Paul Ehrlich. Yep. That's right. That's right. Somebody should have given him Jonathan Last's book, What to Expect When No One's Expecting, because yes. we're not even matching in many countries in the developed world replacement rates. And once you go below that replacement rate, it's very hard to reverse that, you know, and this is happening. And you look what hap what's happening in, in the gerontocracy in Japan, right? And you look at Korea and you look at China now, obviously that's the big one. It's Singapore, they've tried all sorts of financial incentives to giving you money to have children. It's still not working enough. And he seems to be oblivious to this. I don't know. His, the thing is like, yeah. it's not, it's not just that overpopulation is not the problem. The opposite is the problem. Yeah. 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 That's <laughs> especially that's in a societies, real especially in societies where, uh, I don't know, say your social security is structured such that the next generation has to support it. You're going to need my kids to be working. 
in order to do that. Yeah. And it's just that alarmism that you were just talking about, where even in the book, he talks about the population density in India, right? I think he was in New Delhi in the late 60s. And it's just all these people on top of each other. That's all true. But it's not because they're all having a million babies. Right. And that's what he leaves out. And Charles Mann talks about it in the Smithsonian article from 2018. The, the government in India at the time were moving people out of the farms and pushing them into the cities to work in industry and putting them in these massive apartment buildings piled on top of each other. So visually, yes, it's a lot of people. And, and the effect of it is not great. But the reason for it, he's wrong. Yeah. He's just wrong. And, and suggesting that it's because we're having too many babies. We're not having enough babies. So that's it. Nick Nick Freitas, who's a Virginia politician, mm-hmm. a member of the House of Delegates, he does little, these little Instagram videos that are quite popular. And he he gets to what bugs me about this. I'm going to play a little bit of him talking about Paul Ehrlich. Well, Paul Ehrlich is back to tell us we're all doomed. Who's Paul Ehrlich, you might ask? Well, he's the guy in 1968 that wrote the book The Population Bomb, where he predicted we were all doomed. He said there would be a bunch of widespread famines and the complete eradication of certain vital natural resources due to overconsumption. Turns out he was wrong on pretty much everything and has consistently been wrong over the last several decades. And yet he keeps getting invited back as a respected expert. Now, why is that? Well, I can tell you this much. It's not because of his predictive capabilities. No, 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 no. I think it has more to do with the solutions that he always offers because they always seem to include putting more power in the hands of politicians and people like, wait for it, Paul Ehrlich. That's right. So if you're wondering why those of us out here actually watching history over the last several years are a little bit skeptical whenever the media rolls out another expert telling us that we got to put a lot more power in the hands of politicians, otherwise we're all doomed, it might have something to do with the track record. Thank you. Thank you, sir. You know, one of the annoying things, by the way, is listening to the the, the Scott Pelley voiceover, and he's in sixty minutes, and he and he throws in phrases like, "If the science is right, <laughs> you know, yes, if the science is right, then then we're doomed." But no, I mean that, and they use that. They use that. That's their shield to say, "Well, you know, he represents again." It's like this thing where he represents the science. You can't question right. he he is science. I just like I, said, I think we talked about this before with the the other guy who leads the natural extinct voluntary extinction movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> who's just like some wacko from Oregon who the New York Times profiles pretty glowingly. These people are calling for the eradication of the human population. That's exactly right. This is not this is not mainstream stuff, and yeah. yet it gets mainstream press. Oh, they love it. And they love it. Imagine us trying this kind of argument for whatever it was that we believe, <laughs> believed in like, well, the key is really just to like take out three quarters of the population. Yeah. Come with me on this journey. It's fa- a fascinating intellectual discussion. So a few years back on one of those nature shows, it might've been on Nat Geo or one of the other channels, there was this special on what if humans were to suddenly disappear from earth, right? What would happen on earth? And let me tell you something. The answer is it would be amazing according to the makers of this special documentary, where we weren't around to bother the animals anymore. The, 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 the oceans would be replenished and this and that. And, you know, you'd have all these animals wandering through the cities. And it's just, yeah, that's, that's, that's basic. They're all on the same page here. It just happens to be the page of insanity. But again, my question is, you know, how do the producers, editors, and Scott Pelley just allow this to happen like, oh yeah, this is a great idea. Hey, do you think maybe we, there might be pushback? Do you think maybe he might be wrong? And no, because I think there's just zero accountability in the media. They let's do just, whatever they want. Bring back Ehrlich. He seems like... It's unbelievable. Anyway, 
Paul Ehrlich. Don't listen to him. He's usually wrong. Maybe, maybe Luckily, the next... he's been wrong the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you know, n- next week, 60 Minutes is going to be on acid rain or something. So, Oh, man. What, what they never account for is innovation, right? It always yeah. has to be, we got we to gotta kneecap humanity. We have to put in new government rules. There's never an allowance yeah. for, like, maybe we'll come up with new ways to do things, like natural gas emits fewer carbon emissions, as does nuclear. These are things that we can mm-hmm. adopt. No, we can't. We can't do that. We just have to. No, nope. just have to berate everybody and. It's tell, too late, and there's have children. That's right. It's too late, and there's only one solution: less of us. <sighs> well, from one religion to another. Oh. Let's go to. I did wanted to acknowledge a couple of very important people that we lost at the end of the year, including Pope Emeritus Benedict. That's right. The in memoriam in section the in of memoriam. getting hammered. Well, it. It. I'm noting. It, we lost Benedict. This yeah. is all within like a, a week or two. Yes. Pope Benedict and then Barbara Walters mm-hmm. from the entertainment world and then Pele from the sports world. So that felt sure. like a pretty yeah, a pretty weighty end of the year as far as cultural impact. I was reading about Benedict and I had not realized as I am not Catholic despite my name, which is very confusing to people. Always yes. on Ash Wednesday, Mary people are Catherine. like, what's up with this chick? Like, why didn't she do what she needs to do why Why Um, is her forehead clean yeah exactly (laughs) so i was reading about the sort of the fact that benedict has been at the vatican for these past 10 years as he was the first pope in 600 years to retire and he was staying on the campus like sort of the monastery three's company vibe a little awkward (laughs) at times At the Vatican. Are you suggesting Pope Benedict is Larry? Is that what you're suggesting? Upstairs? I'm just saying there were... He comes, he comes down I, to see Francis. Hey, I, I got to... Let's go out to dinner. I'm just know? saying that in in what I was reading, I didn't I didn't realize that there was like such a potentially awkward and zany vibe going on at the Vatican over these past 10 years. But it makes sense because there's a Pope Emeritus and there's a Pope. And yes. those are two And who do we turn people. to and who do we look to and who is our who is our true sort of our... Our, our, our holy father, their holy fathers. And you're right, as you mentioned, not since Gregory the 12th in 1415 yeah. has, have we had sort of a Pope Emeritus who died. And you're going to actually have, you know, this rare moment where there is a living Pope presiding over the funeral that's coming up very, very early Thursday morning of another Pope. But Benedict was great, at least for many of, he was a hero to many of the Catholic conservatives yes. and, and for his, certainly his writings faith and reason, the interplay between faith and reason and the perils of moral relativism. Right. It's killing Western society. That was his big thing. But his writings, particularly when he was a cardinal from Germany, Josef Ratzinger, and he was he was great. And he just happened to think at age 85 that he was no longer up to the job. I mean, it's rare that you get a young pope, you know, by the time you make it to that level, unless you're Jude Law in that special that TV show. <laughs> yes. The Pope. Jude, Jude Law. Jude Law. The aside, young Pope. Right. Yes. The young Pope. Thank you. It's by the time you reach it, you know, I mean, he he went on for another 10 years, as you said, living in the monastery. The Pope himself, by the way, Pope Francis does not live. He did not live in his actual Vatican apartment that the Pope is supposed to live in. He stays at the, what we call the Vatican Hotel, the Domus of the, the St. Mary, Santa Maria. And that's where I stayed when I was on a trip to the Vatican back in 2018. And so I was on the first floor and Francis was on the second. And it was very odd because you'd go to the cafeteria and I'm there getting my salad and I look across and there he is 
sitting there. <laughs> Another chapter in the charmed life of Vic Mattis, everyone. <laughs> I was getting arugula. By the way, very peppery arugula. But, sure. you know, the Vatican Gardens are, must be amazing. But I'm getting up there and I stopped and I'm just like, is that really? And he's just there in white because he's the only one in white, the Bishop of, right. Bishop of Rome. And uh, yeah, so he's at the Domus. Benedict was in the monastery within the grounds. It was kind of this weird dynamic. Well, and they also have divergent yeah. sort of Francis more Views, reformist, Benedict extremely. obviously more traditionalist, sort of setting them at odds occasionally when uh, when Benedict would would continue to write or speak. During, yes, during that. I don't. Time. I don't think the movie on Netflix was that helpful. By the way, about the two popes starring Anthony Hopkins and Jonathan Price, where they played. I mean, it was interesting, but I, I don't think it's that helpful. By the way, Benedict, as you note, the only the only, the last incidents of the the resigning was well, there was one in twelve ninety four, and mm-hmm. just to note from the New York Times that Benedict was certainly in a better position than Celestine V, yes. whose successor, in part fearing a rival claim, threw him in jail and deprived him of a pope's funeral when he died in twelve ninety six. So yes, I, I like to also point out not all the popes are buried in the Vatican. There is a Borgia pope. If you know anything about the Borgias, he's not there. So it's a, it might have been because of his children, you know, the various mistresses. It's kind of a, it was a, it was a weird time. Yeah, it was a weird time. Well, best, weird, to, was, best to everyone yeah. who is his mourning yes. Benedict and he will get sent off by the current Pope who one would assume often that that address is used to, you know, assert oneself and make some declarations That's about right. the philosophy of the church. And so we will keep an eye out for that since we have our charm, charmed life Catholic correspondent Vic Mattis here oh, with us. I'll be back. <laughs> God, literally, God willing. Yes. Did you have Barbara Walters thoughts or no? Were you? Uh, uh, yeah, I, did, so, did you? Did you ever meet her on the View or that's after I did. she left already? I did. Yeah. So I did a show. It must have been right before she retired from TV in 2014. I was a guest in February of that year, and it must have been just a couple months later that she retired. And first of all, thinking back on it, did not seem to be in her what, what is low 80s, mid 80s at that time is yes. what that would have been. Really plucky lady, <laughs> spry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and very with it. And so I did the show one time with her and she was very gracious to me. And I had one very interesting moment where we were going to talk about the controversy over Woody Allen and the allegations against him on the show. Ooh. And this is sort of a pattern throughout Barbara Walters's career is that he was her subject as a journalist, but they, she was also close with a lot of these very famous people, right? Oh, it's the New York scene too. Right. Yeah. So, so there's some sort of tug of war between her responses in public and how she grills people and whether, you know, who's, does she yeah. stand by people and that kind of thing. And we were in the ABC elevator, just the two of us. And she was asking me about what I thought about these allegations and whether she was off base in sort of withholding some judgment about them. And so really? we, ta- we talked through that. It was sort of like, a cri- are we having a crisis comms discussion with Barbara Walters? Why, what did she say? What did you well, say to well, her? She, what did had, she, say? she had, if I remember correctly, she had, and I think there might've been some slight controversy about this or not so slight. I can't remember that she had sort of withheld judgment and said, okay, these are very old allegations. We're not sure about mm. the, the provenance and like kind of wanted to look into it. And I told her that that was not the worst impulse in the world, (laughs) but she was being semi canceled for it. I think. Oh, that's interesting. This is all pre Harvey Weinstein, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you know, pre 
Me Too, and although Me Too has many of its many benefits and the fact that we do pay attention to these things and and treat things seriously, and she of course had seen tons of workplace sexism. I mean, that's sort of the mm-hmm. one of the hallmarks sure. of her yeah. her coming up through the journalism world. There's also the tendency to mob and to cancel too quickly, and so I think our our discussion was based on how much how much benefit of the doubt do you give people and due process do you give them in public? Yeah. So anyway, that was my memorable well, it's discussion funny because for Walters. It's, oh, that's fascinating. And again, as you mentioned about her age and how she was, it is weird to think because I think we live in a much more media driven and culturally accelerated environment where, you know, people become media stars and darlings in their twenties and making right. a ton of money going into their thirties now. Whereas when she was doing 2020 with Hugh Downs, you know, in the 80s, I didn't realize how old she was back then already. You know, right. she was already very well established and even in the 70s. So that when she, she really worked her way up through the trenches to get to this point. And it's not like, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just a very different scene now. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was fun to learn more about her. Yeah. I, hadn't, I hadn't known much about her rise and how she was a writer on the Today Show and then sort of muscled her way into doing the girly segments on the Today Show yes. and then became an anchor who was basically treated like Jane, you ignorant slut. Right, right, right. <laughs> Through part of her tenure. I believe that was at NBC where she got some rough treatment from Harry Reasoner, who was her who was her honor partner oh, at that time. That's that's funny. And she was of uh, course famous yeah. for getting first interviews with very, you know Yeah, the gets. In the news celebrities mm-hmm. such as Christopher Reeve in 1995 after he was paralyzed in a horseback riding accident. Monica Lewinsky, her interview with her drew 50 million viewers. I have to say, for for my part, yeah. because she could be quite quite personal with people, mm-hmm. I I got a little cringy watching Barbara Walters. <laughs> I mean, that- she would push on things like one of the things that that her her obituary brought up was pushing Ricky Martin about his sexuality. Yes, I was just about to bring that up. Yes, and I was like, ooh, ooh, that's a lot. It's, I don't, it's don't funny. love it. The- they, they, she used to do was she used to do special interviews before the Oscars, and those were very gauzy, like the look, the lens, right? And uh, and and then she did the Ricky Martin interview, which I happened to watch, and she asked, she pushed on that, and that's when you, that's when I knew that he, Ricky Martin, was gay because she asked him, and he just said, "I'm not going to, you know, answer that question." My mother watches this show. No, that's correct. You either say no or you say I'm not going to answer the question, right. you know. And he 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 didn't say no, and so I thought, well, I, I guess that answers that. But I rem- I remember that it's funny. And it, and talking about Saturday Night Live, and she was of course parodied by Gilda Radner. Yes, uh, on, I mean, on and so on not only is it itself. like, yes, exactly, and 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 so not only the the whole thing about like Jane Curtin, Dan Aykroyd, her and Harry Reasoner, but also. Barbara Walters, Gilda Radner, using that accent where she doesn't pronounce the R's, which is, I guess, a very trademark thing for her. Yes, Baba Wawa. And Pele, let me just say this. I kind of feel like I mentioned him on one of our shows. Oh, no, I think maybe you did. We were talking about the World Cup, and I said, you know, it's a great movie. It's that movie Victory, starring (laughs) Sylvester Stallone, Michael Caine, and Pele. No! Which, by the way, it is a great show. You should watch it. It's World War II prisoners of war versus the German soccer team. I was rooting for the prisoners of war. For those of you, say that. For those of you who don't know, Vic's not allowed to say celebrities' names because they then drop dead. So, yeah. I so guess many we, people I are going to be alive now. That yeah, so many people are going to live now because I don't do the sub beacon. So. <laughs> 
So I just looked this up just to refresh my memory. Barbara Walters defended Woody Allen in 2014 after his daughter, adopted daughter of Dylan Farrow, alleged that he sexually assaulted her as a child. That was mm. in, I believe it was the New York Times. She she wrote a piece about that. Yeah. And it had been through some investigation at the time. And she called him a loving father and noted, of mm. course, that she is friends with him. And so it was like a little dicey because she's buddies with this person and in the same circles as this person. And so it, it, it got it got weird on the social media for her after that. So I had a discussion with her about. And then long after and then not long after that, she was gone from the view. Well, maybe maybe I have the same char- same power you do, but just ending careers. <laughs> careers, right? Career ending mentions. <laughs> Interactions. Oh, Sorry. my goodness. OK, so we say goodbye to a couple of folks at the end of the year. But big hitters. And we're not going to mention anyone else's name because we don't no. want any of them to, to to leave us too soon. Right. Right, That's Vic? Right. Yes, no names. (laughs) Do you want to talk a bit about this leadership race, which is sort of up in the air at the moment? So we don't want to, we don't want to do too much on it because right by the time, by the time our our listeners are hearing this wonderful episode, they'll know more than we do. But I'm ready to take a position on. I'm ready to take a stance on. Well, good, good. Give you my. I'm giving you my prediction right now. My prediction now is the next speaker of the house. It's going to be the guy who gets the most votes. There you go. There you go. Well, okay. So here's how we can frame it since we are going to be a little bit behind the news. What does it mean that the fight is even happening? Is this, is it, is, is it all Sturm and Drang? Is it all, you know, signifying nothing? My gut is that, okay. So remember we talked about the, the caucus meeting where they voted before January 3rd when everything reconvenes and McCarthy, who's likely to end up speaker or the most likely to end up speaker, Kevin McCarthy, he sort of sailed out of that test. Right. He was the House Minority Leader. He sailed out of that test. And we assumed that that meant the road was paved for this. But there's nine or 10 holdouts in the Republican caucus who say, no, we can't back him. You need 218 or maybe slightly fewer than 218 if people abstain from voting. That's right. If they start saying voting present, you know. That'll lower the threshold. Right. The the voting, the the number changes, the goal number changes. You know, my thought on this is like, well, it doesn't doesn't broadcast strength. That's for sure. Right. So and you can't do anything until the speaker is placed. So it doesn't it doesn't like it's not a bright shining light that's like, look, we're here to govern and we're ready to go. (laughs) That's not what it feels like. No, I, I'd say the days of Newt Gingrich and Tom DeLay are long gone. And this is a real struggle because, of course, their margin of control in the House is already razor thin. They can't lose anybody. They, they could lose George Santos. Then <laughs> you're yeah. down another one. <laughs> and again, like you mentioned, the magic number is 218. So he cannot lose uh, more than four, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a possibility some Democrats will try to help him out and vote present to lower that threshold. But you're, you're going to have certain people, Andy Biggs, I know who is running, Bob Good, Ralph Norman, they all want Matt Gates. not the end of the world that Matt Gates is against you, but right. still, that's another vote. Well, and, and then, Democrats are saying, uh, heck yeah. no, we're going to hang together for our choice, who's Hakeem Jeffries, yeah. because this is the Hakeem. only position that everyone votes on. Right. So Democrats can cross over and help McCarthy, or they can mm-hmm. stick with their own guys and not help him at all. And it seems, right. it seems likely that they're not interested in helping. Their their complaints seem also technical that it has to do with rules changes. 
but I can't help but think there's some personality issue involved here as well. Well, and there's also not a clear alternative, which makes the path confusing, which is why this is up in the air and will remain so until they actually do the They have voting. to go through several rounds, yeah. and it'll be the first time. If he doesn't, if he doesn't clear the first round of votes, it's the first time in, what, a century or so that they'll have to go through several rounds until they finally get enough votes. Good, uh, healthy signs. Good, yeah, healthy. good, healthy signs of a strong GOP Republican majority. I mean, this is uh, the it, thing. It this is the kind of thing where, like, as a as a libertarian by nature, just a, not as a political class classification, mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, oh, they have the debate. The chips fall where they may. Everything we're making each other sharper. <laughs> then yes, I, but then like it's been a couple years of that, and I'm like, did we make anyone sharper? I'm not sure that this is. But I, like I, I told, and yeah. I think I told Guy Benson one night on the phone, I was like, I'm done with let a thousand flowers bloom. Let's just, we need to, <laughs> need to lock this down, man. That's it. No, that's again, they, they need a Tom DeLay type there to bring discipline, bring the hammer down on their side. Well, there's something to be said uh, for yeah. actual leadership. Like that is, yeah. and, and I don't find McCarthy super objectionable, but I don't think that he has shown superlative leadership qualities either. No, and he's weakened himself. He's made enough concessions already that it's easy to get rid of a Speaker of the House if they are not happy with you after such it's time. It's going to be a blast. So, yeah, I mean, he, he, you know, ideally for him, you know, he's supposed to be consolidating power and and not have to worry about any of the challenges from the fringe. But in, in fact, it's going in the other direction. Last night I was presented the only way to have 218 votes. If I provided certain members with certain positions, certain gavels, to take over the church committee, to have certain budgets. And they even came to the position where one, Matt Gates said, I don't care if we go to plurality and we elect Hakeem Jeffries and it hurts the new frontline members not to get reelected. Well, that's not about America. And I will always fight to put the American people first, not a few individuals that want something for themselves. So we may have a battle on the floor, but the battle is for the conference and the country. And that's fine with me. I also, it's funny, these votes are very open voice votes, you know, so you're voting for him, you're voting against him for somebody else. I hate that personally. I I, I much prefer secret ballot. Just as a quick anecdote, when when I live. When I, I learned about this when I lived in Austria and right. lived and we were in a dormitory and you have to vote on your resident advisor and you all gather in the common room. Not only do you raise your hands for if you support the, the candidate standing up there, they want to see your show of hands if you're voting against him. Yikes. And for some reason, my my roommate hated this guy. I don't know. I'm only here for a year. And, and he's like, you got to raise your hand. You got to raise your hand against this guy. And it was like, you know, the, the protesters after George Floyd demanding it at the yep. restaurant, you stand up and it's the weak arm. It was the weakest hand raising I've ever done in my life. You know, just barely like, please don't notice. T- and T-Rex it. Oh, arm, you, tiny T-Rex yeah. arm. Oh, it was a tiny T- T-Rex arm. I, said, I don't even know this guy. Well, see, they should have run so. you and then everybody would have voted for Oh well, you Big know matters. me. I'm always I'm always running for class class president or bust. If I'm not running, that means I don't have a hundred percent of the votes. <laughs> I, I demand a hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's very authoritarian we'll in we'll Vic Madison's paradise. You. All right. Look, we do we have to recap such as the nature of the show this week because we took last week off. We had to recap Christmas. Now we got to recap a little bit yeah. of New Year's celebration. Let's start with a, a clip of Don Lemon on uh, CNN. CNN famously. A place to go to watch the anchors get drunk one time per year. Yeah, famously. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, it is pretty good fun, I have to say. And 
Andy Cohen last year, who's of the Bravo Network and co-hosts with Anderson Cooper on CNN, he got a little he got a little mouthy about Bill de Blasio on last year's show. And I don't know if that was the trigger for a new rule that says they can't drink, but there was a new rule that they can't drink. I I was about to ask because normally it's Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen and it was not this year, right? Well, they were there. They were just, they they were there, but they they were not drinking. They were there. It just was like very clear that there was less imbibing (laughs) going on. And I'm like, look, you've got Andy Cohen there. Let him drink. Like this is, he's not a news anchor. And then they, and then they throw to New Orleans where, you know, Don Lemon is always part of the broadcast as well mm-hmm. and often imbibing. And this time he was in New Orleans anchoring, I believe, the Central Time ball drop, except he didn't anchor it. Let's hear a little bit. <laughs> this is, he's just throwing beads. He's dancing. The ball is dropping while Juvenile's back that ass up is playing. That's how we started. That's how and he's now realizing that he missed the ball drop. Y'all ready for this countdown? Well, that's sort of how we started it. I understand that all the time zones matter, but the East Coast is the first big one. I mean, it's the first one. That this is States Oh, this is definitely turns. a JV Come on. ball drop. Yeah, so it's yeah. not... It's not the preeminent ball drop. <laughs> so in that clip, you don't actually even see the ball dropping. You saw Don Lemon. A, they're, they're showing it in a split screen. Oh, and then he realizes that, oh, no. <laughs> you know what? It's a, you know what? I'll tell you what surprises me uh, over the years. And maybe it's because I'm now old. But how terrible the music is at New Year's Eve. You know, where like the. Oh, the, are, we bes- are we besmirching juvenile? Yeah, I, I am. I will go to the mats over this. Back that, back that ass up. Oh, my goodness, Mary <laughs> Catherine, our first conflict of the year. I uh, love that song. I was like, that's that's how we ring in the new year with Honestly, that. But of course, he was when I saw they were the clip, an hour behind. When but. I saw the clip, I thought to myself, Don Lemon, I understand getting caught up and back that ass up. I, I get it. <laughs> Yeah, I need, I'm so old. Just give me, give me the, give me the band. He give looks me the, like Dean it, Martin. I was gonna say Guy Lombardo, right? Just, just give me, give me the orchestra. No, so, so I was so like, that, Ugh. that was missed. I, I gotta say, a lot of consternation at a lot of New Year's parties across the nation because, oh yes, well, in East Coast because the Georgia Ohio State game ended as the ball was dropping. The dramatic end to that game happened. As the ball was dropping and a lot of people at a lot of parties who were not interested in that game were like, what are we doing? Why is the TV not on the ball drop? So a lot of people missed it this year, especially in my house. Nobody saw no Uh, ball drop in this house. Oh, I bet at your house. There's no question about that. And, you know, we do a little New Year's Eve party and you were missed, but they all suspected you could not be moved from that seat. Not because of baby, but you could because of the game. Well, I would have shown and I would have you know, checked the game on my phone for a few minutes and then headed home. However, I thought for sure I would have a newborn and we wouldn't be able to make it to this party. <laughs> and so I had not made plans. The arrangements. So, yes. So on the, on the couch, I was watching the dogs become, get, get to the national championship once again. It was crazy. So in, in our house, we, we did not have a split screen. The big flat screen was on ESPN showing that game where the back half of our room were the other folks, my wife included, saying, what is going on? <laughs> and we need to change the channel for the ball to drop. But at which point, I'm looking at the time, 
Luckily, they're calling out the countdown. And I'm looking at the screen where the Ohio State kicker is about to do his thing. And it's basically the same time. It was, it, I mean, it was, course, if you, they, there are clips online where they line them up mm-hmm. and it, it went left of the goalpost. Yes. As the ball dropped. I mean, as it hit zero. Had he made it, they would have beaten Georgia. Yes. And so what you had was some friends of ours who are at, yeah, some friends of yours, as you know, Mike Warren and Dan Halper, who are Georgia people. Yes. And they were just, they had resigned themselves saying, you know, they just accept, just accepted the loss now. And suddenly the kicker hooks it. And I couldn't believe it. As everyone says, happy new year, you see this ball flying to the left. They scream, everybody's screaming, and that was the way New Year's happened. Well, I was I was very myopic for a moment. I didn't realize it was right at midnight. And so I hear people celebrating in the streets, and I'm like, Steve, look at all these dogs fans. And he's like, sweetie, it's it's midnight. It's New Year's. Were your were your were your kids already in bed? Yes. They lasted, bless their oh. hearts. They did watch the first quarter with me. They made it till about 9 15. And they were like, I don't know if we can do this, well, mom. Good. Don't mess with the sleep schedules. Yeah. And look, yeah, they got to go back to school eventually. And, you know, if they're tuckered out, they're tuckered out. So, so they went to bed. They were, of course, wearing their lucky shirts because I don't get them, I don't let them get away with not doing that. My lucky shirt, because I'm now 40 weeks, was begging for mercy, but it has to stick around until the national championship. So, sorry, tank top. Sorry, tank top. So that is it. But how, how do you, how do you feel about TCU? Look, I, Everyone was telling me that Georgia was going to walk right over Ohio State. And I was like, I don't think like that. I never think like that. I'm a dogs fan. We have rarely been a pos- in a position of that sort of Alabama-like je ne sais quoi, where you're just in control of every game. I don't, we don't, it doesn't feel like that when I watch Georgia games. And so I wasn't surprised that we had to fight. I was surprised that it shook out that way against Ohio State. I thought yeah. they out, I thought they outplayed us. But we found a way to win, which is what that is that Alabama-esque sort of powerhouse move, which is that you make it happen at the end. Yeah. So a great game by Ohio State. And I look forward to another great game with TCU. And I'm going to be very stressed you, about it. But I picture- will have a baby by yeah. then. I will have a baby before that game. <laughs> we, we, know, we know you will. We know you will. All right. It's getting, it's getting late. late in the, speaking of late in the game. Yeah, speaking of late in the game, this is I my, think, this is my we're in the two minute warning here, people, of this the, baby having. But you know those two minute warnings get stretched out. God. So to speak, Let the clock that wraps run. up another edition. Let the clock run. That, that wraps up another edition of getting hammered. Come on now. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I am Mary Catherine Ham. I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter and Substack MK Hammer Time on Instagram. Stay tuned. There will be news there eventually. (laughs) Thanks for being with us in the new year. I might be back on Thursday. We don't know. Friday, whatever day of the week, you know, later. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. 